All right. Well, good morning, church. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, hopefully you are having a great week and have an incredible Sunday morning. We are excited to continue this uh, time of worship. Uh, so appreciate Tanner and the team leading us uh, in those carols and in some of those uh, songs, recapturing the things of old. I don't know if you noticed, there was a man over here. He used to be a boy several months ago. Now he's a man. Uh, and our, our very own uh, man-child Arnett is back on the base. We are so glad to have Ethan back. He is attending uh, Montana Wilderness Bible School. School of the Bible. Anyway, he's attending uh, Bible school in Montana. He basically studies for a couple of hours and then plays in the mountains. So uh, if, you're, if you're thinking of praying for those in need, he's not one uh, because he just gets to play for a living. So, but we are so glad to have Ethan back on the base. Uh, all kidding aside, it feels so, so good. Some of those things that just make it feel more like home. And that's really our hope in this series that we have launched recapturing Christmas and its wonder. Sometimes, to, to Tanner's point, we can just get so caught up into everything that's going on in life. We can get uh, so caught up into the, the parties and the decorations and all the different things that we want to be a part of, and we miss the story. And so that's what we're kind of focused on uh, in this series. I do hope uh, I brought a mask up here. You saw our videos and you should have received our emails in regards to our campaign, The Before Me. We have a bin outside the church here and uh, we're collecting masks and little pocket two-inch uh, ish uh, hand sanitizers and finances uh, all month long to send to our friends and family down in Juarez, our, our dear, dear friend and sister church, Jehovah Provera, pastor uh, down there, and Jose Luis and Christina. And so we're trying to help them. We're trying to do our part. And so please join us in these efforts. Uh, send it to every page and group that you're a part of on social media and invite the world to get behind this because we are literally saving lives by sending masks and hand sanitizers down to Juarez. So just wanted to uh, kind of recapture that. Last week, we talked about the moment. What does the moment look like? And, and the fact that a, a single moment in time, even just a 60-second interval, has tremendous impact on our world. And this week, what we're doing is we're looking at the miracle of Christmas, recapturing our being in awe to the miracle that took place during the Christmas season. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles if you have those. Uh, if not, you can run uh, to the next room and get your Bible. You can hit pause. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews. If you're new to the Bible, that is in what's called the New Testament. It's, it's the second half, essentially, of the Bible. Uh, so it'll be in that section. You can always grab your table of contents to find that. We'll be in the very first uh, chapter. I'm going to ask if you're at home, or for the tech team and worship team, uh, camera team that are here in the room, if you would please stand for the reading of God's Word. Uh, this sets our hearts in the right direction, and it gives reverence to the holiness of these words. Here's how it begins in Hebrews chapter 1, starting in verse 1. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers by the prophets at different times and in different ways. 
In these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God appointed him heir of all things, not some things, not specific things, all things, and made the entire universe through him. That is our scripture passage this morning. It is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. I was thinking about this last night. Uh, I woke up in the middle of the night, couldn't sleep. Happens to me often. I have sleep issues and just kind of laid awake and looking outside our, our bedroom window allows me to kind of look out at the cathedral side of the window and I can just see the sky. And I was thinking about all that God is God over, that, that he rules over all of creation. Anything that has been created, he rules over. And then I had a moment, literally, as I laid there kind of pondering this truth, I had this moment where I thought, not only is God, God and ruler over everything that has been created, he is ruler and God where there's no creation. He is ruler and God where nothing has been formed, where, where there's nothing, whatever nothing is, he's ruler over that as well. And I just had this mind-boggling moment of going, the miracle that the magnitude of that God cares about me, laying in my bed, thinking about my kids and thinking about this church. And I just want to encourage you, the miracle of Christmas often is this, that that God cares exactly with what you're going through. That that God who's ruler over all of creation and, and even non-creation, he cares about you and that he spoke to us in a way that we would understand so that we could come to know him. Several years ago, I would say probably 17 years ago, I was on a mission trip just outside of Ensenada, Mexico, and we were visiting orphanages, we were building houses, we were running vacation Bible schools, and just having an incredible time down there. And one particular moment, uh, we gathered with the, the neighborhood, Colonia, and, and a lot of these kids came to us, and there was a certain section off by itself, and I began to watch, and these were kids that were deaf. Uh, and all the other kids were running around talking and hanging out, and there was a group of adults, presumably parents, that would then communicate with their kids that were deaf, and they would communicate back, and they were able to participate. We only had Naomi at the time. We didn't have the twins, and we didn't have Max yet. And I can remember in that moment thinking to myself, if Naomi were deaf, or if we had other kids that were born deaf, Sandy and I would learn sign language. It wouldn't even be a second thought. We would learn sign language, and it wouldn't be something that was a burden to us. It wouldn't be something that, that annoyed us or, or that we didn't want to do. It would be a natural thing to do so that we could communicate with our then two-year-old daughter. One of the things I thought about, I can still remember in that place is, if I didn't know sign language and this, one of these children were mine, how would I communicate to them how much I love them? How could Sandy and I communicate to Naomi how much God loves her and, and the plans that he has for her and everything that's available in the scriptures to her? How could we communicate that? And so learning sign language would be the first natural response. We would start it immediately and we would do it with joy because every time we would learn a way to communicate, we would directly connect with our child. And I couldn't help but to reflect on the significance 
of what God has done for us. I, I saw in that experience a living parable, if you would. You see, we're on earth, we're living our lives, and they're busy. We're going from meeting to meeting, we're, we're driving kids around, we're doing dishes and doing laundry and fixing things at the house and, and decorating, and we're busy. And very, very often we miss and don't understand what the Father is saying to us. If you would, we're deaf to His voice. Now, that might be best case scenario. Worst case scenario is we don't want to hear what God has to say. We don't want to hear His truth. We don't want to hear what He has to say about how we view this world and our lives. And so we actually make an effort to keep God a little bit muffled. And it often happens with us, without us even really knowing it. But rather than God giving up in frustration, rather than him wiping his hands and walking away and saying, hey, it's your choice, I'm done with you, God says, I'm going to figure out a way to communicate with you my heart. And in fact, it's better than that. I already have a plan. I've been forming this plan before the foundation of the world, before I created a single thing when there was nothing. I had a plan to communicate with you, humans, that I would create in a way that you would understand, in a way that you could comprehend, in a way that the Father could speak to the child, much like sign language. And so Jesus is sent, His very own Son, to communicate God's message in a way that we would understand, that we would comprehend. And that would bring about change. And that, my friends, is the miracle of Christmas. The fact that God would go to such great lengths, not just, as Tanner said, in preparation for what is to come, and we're going to get there, but that God went to such great lengths to communicate His heart for you. That is the miracle. And our Christmas teaching series is recapturing Christmas. And recapturing it doesn't just happen. I, I, I told you this last week that I sat across the table from Sandy on our date and I was recaptured by her beauty, her charm, her kindness, her compassion. But I had to put forth that effort to push everything else away so that I could just focus on my bride sitting across the table. And as we seek to recapture the wonder of Christmas, it takes that kind of intentionality, it takes that kind of strategicness of our schedule so that we could sit across the table from our God and go, wow, you're amazing. The miracle is more than I can handle. You see, we need to not just know about the miracle of Christmas, we need to experience the miracle of Christmas in our hearts and in our lives. And maybe for you today, that starts right now. Maybe you've, uh, you've been running around with your head cut off and, and it's been super busy and super chaotic and very, very stressful. Well, right now, take a deep breath. Lean back in your chair. Snuggle into your couch but know that God has something he wants to say to you. 
And what we're going to see later on is that God always speaks with a purpose. Last week, we talked about one of my favorite Christmas movies. It's, it's hard to find someone else who is, this is their favorite. We don't get to watch it very much in my, in my house because it's not very exciting. It's not very flashy. It's Miracle on 34th Street. Black and white, uh, kind of plain Jane. I kind of like it because my life is super hectic and busy. So when I watch an old movie like that, it just allows me to kind of calm down. And it helps us illustrate and to understand this idea of Christmas a little bit more. If you've seen the movie or if you're going to watch it later because I've mentioned it, you'll notice how Chris Kringle interacts with a little Dutch girl. Uh, if you've seen the movie, this is a, a little orphan girl who comes and is brought before Kris Kringle. Uh, he, they're not at the North Pole, they're at a department store, and, and this woman brings the little Dutch girl, and, and she begins to express to Santa, this little girl uh, just got off the boat, just arrived in America, and doesn't know any English, uh, hasn't said a word since she got off the boat, and so don't expect much. And Chris Kringle, this Santa figure, begins to speak. And part of the plot of the movie, I'm not going to ruin it for you, but part of the plot of the movie is that Mrs. Walker doesn't believe in Santa Claus. Uh, she doesn't believe in any way what Chris Kringle is saying. But then she watches as Chris Kringle begins to communicate with this little girl. And as Chris Kringle, the Santa Claus figure, begins to talk to this little Dutch girl, you see her face light up. He's speaking her language. And you see her smile. And you see the sparkle in her eyes. It's something familiar. It's something that she can understand. And everyone else kind of stands in awe, and they witness Chris com communicating with this little girl. He gets down on her level. He's gentle, he's kind, and he speaks her language, and she miraculously understands him. This is a parable to the Scriptures. God wants you so clearly to understand his love and care and plan for you that when you get it, your face lights up because you realize the miracle. Hebrews, again, chapter 1, records this miracle of God's message. Long ago, God spoke to the fathers and the prophets at different times, and I love this, and in different ways. If you've read the Old Testament, you know God speaks in some crazy, crazy ways. And then it goes on to say, in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. God appointed him heir of all things and made the universe through him. I don't know what's made through you, but I bet it's not the universe. Jesus, the whole universe made through him. And God sent Jesus to communicate that message in a way that we would understand. Could he have chosen another way? 100%. Could he have chosen another way to expand his kingdom beyond you and I? Absolutely he could, but he didn't. This is his avenue of the miracle. And the miracle of the message is that God speaks to us today so that we can know him and then he can draw us close to him. Every minute of every day. You with me? Yes? All right. So how does he speak? Let's get into that. Number one, God speaks 
through history. Now we're going to go through a really fast history lesson. Remember your college professors where they would kind of begin the lecture and they're talking like an auctioneer and going super fast and you're trying to take notes? This is going to be one of those similar situations. But God speaks through history. You may not be aware of this, but God has literally been speaking through history from the very, very beginning. And it's not stopped. And whether you believe it or not, yesterday is history. You guys know that? Last week is history. Last month is history. When COVID started is history. And God has been speaking through history to reveal himself because he wants us to know him, to love him, and to worship him. You see, God reveals himself through creation. Just look outside our window and you see the mountains and the snow caps and the flowers and the bushes and the trails. He speaks through sunrises and sunsets, through the sun and the moon and the stars. God spoke to Moses in the burning bush. He spoke to the Israelites from the smoke and fire on top of the mountain. He spoke to Elijah in a still, small whisper. He spoke to Isaiah in a vision in the temple. God spoke to Hosea through his family circumstances. He reached out and spoke to Amos in a basket of summer fruit. Anyone else have that experience? Okay. Uh, He spoke to Jeremiah through a potter's clay and to Joseph through dreams. God even speaks his message today through donkeys. I'm not talking Shrek. Friends, God has been speaking his message through history from the very beginning of time, and it continues this day. He has spoken his message through visions and dreams. He has spoken through uh, angels, through Urim and Tumen, worn on the breastplate of, of the high Jewish priests of the day. He has been speaking through symbols and natural events and many other means. He could reveal himself in Ur of the Chaldees, in Haran, in Canaan, or Egypt, or Babylon. It goes on and on and on. There is no lack of variety for God's divine way of speaking. And we ought not to put God in a box on how he does speak, even to us today. It continues to go on. It's not a monotonous activity. It's not something that causes boredom. It's not something that we count on or rely on. It's one that we stand in awe that God still today speaks through history. And God has been speaking uh, throughout history in a variety of, of places in order to make himself known and therefore to be worshipped. And not worshipped just on a 20-minute segment on a Sunday morning. To make your whole life that of worship. To make your whole life to stand in awe of this king who came for you. But there was a time, there was a time when God didn't speak. Count yourself lucky you didn't live in those times. There was a stretch of about 400 years of silence. No act of God, no voice of God. I can't wrap my mind around what those 400 years must have been like. 
because I can't imagine me going even a day, much less 400 years, without God uh, affirming or directing me or encouraging me or correcting me. But 400 years since the prophet of Malachi last uttered his messages from God, there had been no prophets until John the Baptist arrived. 400 years of quiet. And God's revelations in the Old Testament, they were fragmented, they were occasional, they, they were progressive. Be, why? Because no one single revelation, no one single event encapsulated all of what God wanted to say to His creation. It gave pieces to it. And, and if we take all the pieces of the Old Testament and kind of put them together, we kind of see God's message. But for the people, they didn't receive that. They just received fragmented messages along the way. That's different than you and I. They could not adequately capture the full identity and full picture of God's nature. You see, God had been speaking to them, but the people weren't getting the message. It was just kind of going over their head. It's like if you're a parent and you're, you're trying to talk to your kid and you're trying to encourage them and trying to give them some direction and then they give you like the 20-mile stare right past you and you're just not connecting. And that, in essence, what was happening with God is he would speak to the people. They didn't understand God's heart. They didn't understand God's plan. And too many claimed to be speaking for God, and they messed up the message. You ever play that game, you ever, uh, the telephone game, where you tell someone a message, and they give it to someone, they give it to someone, and then by the end, it's like, who knows what, what that last person receives. That's kind of what was happening in the Old Testament times. They were misinterpreting and misrepresenting God to others, and confusion, not understanding, resulted in it. And so God speaks through history and so we should be wise to know it, learn it, and understand it. But it gets better than that. God speaks through Jesus. Our second point is this, is that God speaks through His Son, Jesus Christ. And that continues right here, right now, in this moment that you are watching. The Christmas story shows that the time of silence is over. If there is a reason to celebrate Christmas, one could be that we're not living in a time of silence, that we're not living in those 400 years where God is quiet and not acting and not talking, that we're actually living in a time where he's very active and he's very vocal and he's very involved in what's going on in our world. God revealed himself directly to us through his son, Jesus. And it's true that God revealed himself through the words spoken by Jesus, through the messages, but he did more than that. I want you to, to pause just for a moment and think about this. Jesus Christ is the living, divine Son of God. You say, we already know that. Okay. Pause for a moment and think about this truth. Jesus Christ, who all of the universe, according to Hebrews, was created through him, 
who based on our theology and doctrine understand that God is sitting right next to you because he lives within you as your body is now the new temple of the Holy Spirit. That Jesus is the divine, most powerful living Son of God. And that Jesus wants a relationship with you. I hope that never gets to the point where you're like, move on, like we already know that. I hope in and of itself that is a miracle because I know for me, I don't deserve that. I don't deserve the King of Kings wanting a relationship with me. I don't deserve the most divine living being ever known to this world and outside of this world that cares for me. I don't deserve that. He did more than just proclaim God's message. He is God's message. Just his very being is God's message. And it's a message of love. You see, Jesus came to reveal God, to, to make him known to us in ways that we can understand. The writer of Hebrews goes on to say this in verse 3 in chapter 1. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact expression of his nature. As a youth pastor, I used to have this conversation all the time with students who would want to give their life to Jesus, and they would say the prayer, and then we would begin discipling them, and they'd go, well, how do I know about this God? I know about God, but how do I know of God? And I say, read the Gospels, because as you see Jesus, you see God. As you see Jesus interacting with people, as you see Jesus making decisions, you see the heart of God. That's how you know who he is. It goes on to say, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After making per, uh, purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. John's gospel describes Jesus as the word becoming flesh and living among us. If you want to know what God is like, look to Jesus. If you want to know what God isn't, Look to Jesus. This is pretty helpful in today's culture. We don't see Jesus picking fights in culture. We don't see Jesus uh, going after those who think differently and starting fights with them. We don't see Jesus having uh, malicious debates with individuals. We don't see that. What we see in Jesus, and it is the heart of God, is one of mercy and one of compassion. One of going to the one who isn't being spoken to. Uh, breaking cultural boundaries and, and, and laws to care for the other. That's the heart of Jesus. And therefore, that's the heart of God. When in John chapter 14, verse 9, Philip asked Jesus to show them the Father, Jesus replied, Have I been among you all this time without your knowing me? The one who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus declares in John chapter 10, verse 30, I and the Father are one. Again, just to reiterate, Jesus didn't just come to give God's message. Jesus is the message. He is the answer. He is the hope. And therefore, not only did God speak to Jesus through him during his life and, and through his death and through his resurrection. But now that he sits at the right hand of the Father, he is still speaking to you in a very, very practical way. 
Why? Because he cares about your school. He cares about your relationships. He cares about your pains. He cares about your losses. He cares about what you're scared of. He, scared, he, he, he cares about what causes a tear to come to your eye. He cares. And certainly his life and, and death and resurrection is a message of redemption. But it's also the moment. It's also the miracle that right now, with whatever's super heavy on your heart, God cares about that and wants to help walk with you in that. Why? Because He's a loving Father. He's a great Savior. He's a conquering King. He tells the, the wind and the waves to cease, and they do. You see, as we recapture Christmas... As we recapture the Christmas story, it is so much more than just Christmas Eve. It culminates there. It climaxes on, on Christmas Eve. But it's so much more than that because that is just part of the whole lineage of the story that was going on from the beginning of time. And I wonder this morning, are you listening? Are, are you pausing long enough to listen? Are, are you slowing down enough to truly hear the Christmas story? Are you driving a little bit slower? Are, are you running around the department stores a little bit slower or on Amazon? Are you doing all things just a little bit slower so that you can be caught up in the story and then recapture its wonder? Because again, in a world where everything is seemingly changing right before our eyes, this story, not only has it not changed, it never will. Amen. It is the hope, it's the story that will withstand the virus. It is the story and the hope that will withstand government and the economy and relationships and careers and possessions and kids and death. The Christmas story, the hope of the gospel. So God speaks. He has spoken through history. He speaks through Jesus, but it's important to know why. This is mission critical for the message this morning. It is important to know why. Why does God speak to us? Is it because he likes to hear himself talk? Any of you know someone like that? They just talk because they like to hear themselves talk? Is it because he's bored and so he's got to find someone to talk to? Does he like to hear the sound of his own voice? Why does God talk to us? And friends, from the beginning of time to this exact moment right here and right now, know this, God always speaks to transform. He never speaks just to speak. It's always to bring about transformation. And, and you all know this. Transformation isn't always comfortable. God might call you to do something you don't want to do. 
God might ask you to participate in something that he knows is transforming you, but it is not going to be comfortable. God's heart, when he speaks, is always to bring about transformation. I was kidding Ethan about being up here. But, but if you sit with Ethan, and we've had a chance to talk while he's in Montana, Ethan is being transformed. He is not only becoming a man, he's becoming a godly man. But God is transforming him. That's what he always does when he wants to speak. Even if it's a voice of correction or discipline, it is always to transform into the good. The miracle of the message is not just that God speaks to us today through his son, but that that message has the power to transform us so that we can be different tomorrow. That's amazing. What that means is you're not stuck with who you are today. Now, you might, how do I say this nicely? You might be pretty happy with yourself. You might be pretty happy with how you look and how your job is going and, and how your finances are. But most of us, most of us can look in the mirror, we can look at our calendar, we can ask our friends and family, and they can shed some light on how we might use some little bit of transformation. The great news is you're not done. Your marriage isn't done. Your relationship with Jesus isn't done. God's ability to use you in this world is not done. There's a whole other world waiting for you. And it's happening, happening every minute of every day. God came near so that we could draw near to him. But he made the first move. Look with me in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 6. says that Jesus gave his life as a ransom for all. The King James Version says this, who gave himself as a ransom for all to be testified in due time. In other words, eventually the testimony is coming on who Jesus is. Now, theologically, the first part is us accepting Christ. That, that defines, that testifies to who exactly he is at the ransom. The second testimony is coming when the day that Jesus comes again. And the Bible says that every tongue will confess and every knee will bow and say that he is Lord. That's coming. That's the testimony that Timothy is saying. He gave himself as a ransom to be testified in due time. Some of that due time is coming, and you and I get to be part of kneeling on the ground. I'll kneel now because the physical ability to do some of these things is so powerful. I wonder how long has it been before you've been on your knees in prayer? When was the last time that the miracle of the message of Christmas drew you to your knees in awe, in, in pleading for forgiveness, in worship, in honoring the King? That testimony, friends, is coming. And you and I get to be a part of that. The miracle of the message the Bible says is that Christ is reconciling the world to himself. And then in Corinthians, it says that he's thus given us the message of reconciliation. That means he came, he did his work, and now you get to participate in it. Theologically, it's called participative grace. 
that God could do it with or without you, but he's chosen to include you. But it's always for transformation. And Jesus came so that God could reveal himself and his plan to us in a way that we would understand. I'm still picturing these kids outside of Ensenada completely dependent on their signing adult to explain what is happening. God communicates with you in a way that you could understand. So why did he do that? Because he wanted us to know how much he really loves us. He wanted us to know the way. We, we talked about this uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, and I've received uh, countless corrections. For the record, the Mandalorian is not a robot. I hear that loud and clear. I stand corrected. Please accept my apology for that theological misstep. He is a man with a cool suit. Okay. But this is the way. And God sent Jesus so that he, we would know how much he loves us, but that, so that we could know the way. So that you, you wouldn't have to stumble through life to try and figure it out. He wanted us to know that he created us for a reason that we might know and love him back. He came to proclaim a message that, that we have been set free, that we're no longer prisoners under sin, that there is a way, that there is hope, that there's a way not to live as, as prisoners to, to our guilt and our shame and past bad decisions. Those should not handicap us. Why? Because of Jesus. Some of you this past year have received messages that have certainly changed your life. There's a few of you that I know of, you received the message from the doctor that said, I'm sorry, but it's cancer. Some of you have received the message from your daughter, I'm pregnant. Some of you received a message from your spouse, I don't love you anymore, I want a divorce. Some of you received word that you're no longer employed. Some of you received word uh, that you have to leave the state, you have to move. Super heavy things. As we've uh, absorbed these messages, some of you have been told through an email or a doctor that you've tested positive for COVID. Some of you, and I know quite a few of you, have lost someone to COVID. These messages hit us. And because of that message, your life is changed. A lot of you were told, hey, for your senior year, Josie, hey, guess what? For your senior year, you get to have a super amount of fun in your bedroom behind your computer. That changes life as you know it. But in the midst of everything that's going on, there's another message. 
It doesn't discount the difficult message you receive, but there's another message in the Christmas season that has the power to give that difficult message clarification and meaning. And that is this, nothing whatsoever can separate you from my love. Nothing. Nothing that you're told, no diagnosis, no ruined relationship, no job message, no economy message. Nothing can, can change the result that God says to you, nothing can separate you from my love. God says, trust me with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Acknowledge me and, and I will direct your steps. In the midst of life's betrayals, and several of those messages, make no mistake, are life's betrayals thrown on you. In the midst of those things, joy and celebration shouts, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. For this is the Christmas message. You see, it doesn't take away the bad, but it gives perspective on it. And when we choose to live in light of that perspective, all of a sudden we begin to recapture why we even celebrate Christmas in the first place. Because the miracle of Christmas is the miracle of the message that God loves that God loves you. Friends, God loves you. He weeps with you. He mourns with you. But He loves you. And right now, at this very moment, He cares about you. In the midst of all the noise, in the midst of all the stress, in the midst of everything that's going on around you, there's nothing more important right now than you. And the miracle about that is that I can say that to each one of you. I can look over to Amy and say, God loves you and cares about what you are going through. And there's nothing else that he cares about more than right now working with you. And then right next to you is Tammy, and I can go, Tammy, there's nothing God cares about more than you. And I can go to Diane and Polly and Daniel and Dan and Asher and Josie and Mark. I can go around this room to Kyle in the back and Derek up there and Tracy up there and say, every single one of you, there's nothing more important right here, right now in this moment. God loves you. How he can pull that off? I'm planning on hosting a meeting in heaven, and we'll find out. I have no idea. But boy, am I glad. I am so glad. That's the miracle. Believe the message God is speaking to you, and your life will never be the same if you take him up on his offer. And one of the ways that we recapture Christmas this season is certainly to remember the moment, 
Galatians 4, at just the right moment, God came and sent his son. But it's also remembering the miracle, the miracle that God has always been speaking from the beginning of time to transform his creation to be a more perfect you. And then to release you to be his hands and feet, to love others, to, to get masks and hand sanitizers and, and donate uh, finances and, and buy gloves for the homeless and, and a new pair of socks and to love the other more than you love yourself. That's Christmas. All of that in a couple of teenagers and a donkey. Man, that, the, the wonder of Christmas, it is so amazing. And it's available for you, maybe, just maybe, to either capture for the very first time in your life, if you're new to church and new to the Bible, maybe you're captured by this for the very first time, or maybe, just maybe, you have been recaptured by Jesus. I pray that it is so. I pray that you are recaptured by how much He loves you. And if that becomes our focus this season, not, not all the noise around us, not all the busyness, not the good or the bad, in that we will rediscover the wonder of Christmas. So may God bless you in amazing ways. May he keep your family and your friends safe. May he open your eyes as, as you claim this uh, momentum of thee before me, as you look to others and as you huddle around your family to read the scriptures, to pray, to talk about it, to love your neighbor and care for, for the least of these. I pray that you are able to see his love and wonder in amazing ways this Christmas season. But for now, as we get ready to worship some more, I pray that he open your eyes in the quietness of your own heart, in your living room, your kitchen, your bedroom, the sanctuary. I pray that right here, right now, he open your eyes and that you're able to get a, even a glimpse of how much he cares about you. Let's pray together. God, we... How do we respond to that, Lord? How do we respond to the miracle? It, it, every word that we come up with just seems to fall short. Thank you. And we're sorry. I, I guess those are the two. We're sorry, as Tanner said, that Christmas came about because we are sinners and and thank you that you did come about and that you do love us, that you do care deeply for us, that in the large scale of everything that you're dealing with in this world, you care about the mundane aspects of our life. And if you care about the mundane, how much more do you care about the urgent? Open our eyes to see that this Christmas season and prepare us so that we could stand in wonder on Christmas Eve and shout from the rooftops in celebration. We love you and praise you. Thank you for your word, so faithful, so true. And thank you for this dear church. Please be with uh, Pastor Jose Luis and Christina down at their church in Juarez, Mexico at Jehovah Prevera. 
as they continue to, to love and encourage and, and feed the multitudes throughout the colonias around the church. That you would use our efforts to bring more food, more PPE supplies uh, to protect those dear people. And now as we sing, would you make your way all around the United States as people are tuning in? Speak to them. Remind them how much you care. That's our prayer. We pray in the name of Jesus Christ, our King and Savior.